Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. This is episode 606. We're recording this on Friday, June the 25th, 2021, at around 8.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Please join us. You can watch this live on the WP Tonic Facebook page and YouTube channel. And please feel free to comment during the show with your sarcasm. It's always most welcome. Uh, um, <laughs> we ended up like the tavern, weren't we? Uh, um, in the good old days. Uh, um, I've got a great panel. I think it's going to be a great discussion. Sally, would you like to quickly introduce yourself first? Certainly. I'm Sally Getch, rhymes with sketch. Uh, I'm only here because they love the cat. Nah, nah, that's not true. Well, kind of true, but kind of. Um, got Uncle Spencer, the evil genius. Uh, Spencer, I, I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to borrow from Sally. I'm Spencer Foreman, Ryan's with Doorman, and I'm from WPLaunchify.com. Oh, right, there we go. He knows his place. Um, got Tom returning. Tom, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, Tom Finelli, founder and CEO of Convesio. We're a scalable hosting provider for WordPress. And he was saying just before the show, these stories, Jonathan, these stories are hardcore. They're hard. Yes, Tom, we're going to make you think. That's, I mean, I know it's stressful for Friday. You just want to hit the wine. I was the, stressing out about this. I'm like, I got to do my homework on these. Yes, I do that. Well, yes, it's either let's see, like, do I eat breakfast or do I, do I, uh, exactly. you know, do I do the show prep? Yeah, you know, Tom, there you go. They say this show is where WordPress relationships go to die. <laughs> if you if you felt like anybody uh, thought you were a good guy, just come on this show and start talking about these topics, and you'll yeah, know who likes you. You, you lose friends very quickly, Tom. Um, Chris, uh, Chris, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Chris from Lifter LMS. I help WordPress professionals build better online learning environments. And he's been a little bit busy with his new upgrade, Lifter LMS 5.0. I That's saw right. that the, yes. the other day. He's coming on the show, folks, for an interview to, to discuss this major improvement. So um, before we go into our stories of the week, um, I want to talk about one of our great sponsors, our major sponsor, and that's Castos, Castos. And the, what do they do? Well, if you want to get into podcasting for yourself or for clients, you need a podcasting provider. So you can upload your audio files, provide a player, sends out the RSS feed. There's a lot of little elements to podcasting. Um, it's a bit like building a website. And Castos, they provide a really fantastic platform. I moved to them about three months ago. They um, had over 600 shows to move plus, because actually it was more like 800 because I do another podcast um, and it went really smoothly. They're really helpful. What I like about it is that, that it's a powerful platform, but it's really simple to use and it's got a really nice interface. 
And did I mention that it's about half the price of some of the other major providers, like the previous one I was using? I think you should have a look at it if you're thinking of getting into podcasting for yourself or clients. Go over to them and have a look what they've got to offer. So let's go into story one, WordPress theme locking silos and block system. What did you think of this one, Uncle Spencer? Well, I like the fact that Justin's finally returned to a topic where I feel like his expertise is appreciated. Yeah. You know, I mentioned before, there's a few people, including Justin Tedlock, that in the early days I used to learn from, and he's a you know really talented person in that regard. Now, his basic premise here, <laughs> I agree with. In the battle of wills over who is going to be in charge of the editor versus the page builder, it's unavoidable that each layer is going to have its particular authors trying to compete for that attention. So just to review, we went from that moment where there was no WordPress themes to themes. Themes did functions and form and all kinds of stuff. Then they slowly gave way to the promise, the holy land of the customizer. And everybody moved up to the customizer layer. And then we saw how that disappeared a little bit because you moved over to the page builder. He's talking about the fact that even though technically you're not supposed to lock somebody in with your theme, that people are now just moving the lock into a different spot because now you're like using block editing tools, but the block editing tools like associate themselves with the styles, but they've built their own versions of those block editing tools. And I think this is just going to keep going and keep going and keep going until it's like the musical chair game, until the music stops. And I'm predicting it's going to be not one, but several vertical silos of all the WordPress stack, right? Whomever it is, it's going to be the official WordPress one. It's going to be the, I don't know, the WP Engine one. It's going to be the Wix yeah. owns Elementor one, because that's the only way to solve this problem in a world of open competition where, you know, Elementor, I'm sorry, where uh, Gutenberg itself hasn't firmly established itself as like, here's the official, everything's working. If, yeah, if well, well, uh, well, my impression of the story was more that the official way it's supposed to work is of itself problematic. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and you know, and, you know, I don't know if there is a solution for the silos because once something is customized in any degree, there are likely to be bits that, that need, uh, that are, that are awkward uh, to shift. And well, wait, wait, let me ask you a question about that. I think the answer is simpler than that. If we're, if I asked any of you guys now, hey, if you were on uh, Squarespace, how do you customize the Squarespace stuff? Would any of us answer, if you ever use it, or Wix or Weebly or anything, would any of us answer, oh, I don't know, there's 20, 30, 40 different ways to do it? No, there's one way to do it. The official tools work the way they're supposed to. The problem we have in WordPress is the Gutenberg thing isn't working, and there's an infinite number of people competing in the space for how to do it. That's the problem. Well, there's always been an infinite number oh. of people competing in the space, and, and there probably always would will be, and possibly there, there should be. But I think some of the point is that um, this could have been set up to avoid some of the potential issues that will happen even when you're like trying to follow the official guidelines. I mean, leaving aside the fact that they change a lot um, in terms of, well, if you're going to create a pattern, what is locked in? Is there a standard of are your 
um, are your colors going to disappear, uh, you know, if you set them in the blocks? Yeah, can I just say that based on my experience, even if you, if you, even if you haven't got a theme that's using a lot of short codes, um, that even if you've got one of the better themes, if it's not part of a framework like StudioPress, the idea that you just one click and you install another theme is a little bit misleading. Right, like, like it's, it's a little bit, yeah. Like, moving from Divi, if you built on Divi, in the early days, we, we were all warned about this, build all your content on Divi in the page editor from Divi. And then you wake up a couple years later like a hangover from a fraternity and you realize I can't put anything else in unless I go into every single post that I ever made and decode out all the content, copy and paste into something else because it's around in your I, I've got such a love affair with Divi. Um, Tom, what did you think of this? You, you um, and, a, a, and I, Andrew must have conversations yeah, about that. Yeah. And I will be giving you a score, Tom. Oh, you know, <laughs> well, okay. There's a quiz. Um, I mean, you know, I work with a lot of agencies and I, I got to tell you, this is, I can think of one theme that is the nightmare theme, in my opinion, which is Avada, which in the early part of this thing, and it's like, you know, the, did, you, did you have to, did you have to do that, Tom? I'm getting hot. I'm getting hot already, Tom. language warning in. Let me, let me tell you that there People will always choose easy over correct. And there's a whole bunch of people, professional agencies included, that love this idea of I got one thing and it's got everything in it. And, you know, they're locked into this because they didn't build this in a more WordPress compatible way. And so that I have seen a million times over. But I want to make one point. Spencer said something on the last show and he's brought it up again, which was this, this concept of forking WordPress into different things. And I got to tell you, Spencer, that's one of the most intriguing concepts that I've heard people talk about, because I think in my mind, the opposite of that, it's, it's the, the power of the centralization of WordPress. But when you sort of presented that notion of you think the world is going to be everyone having their own type of version, um, of WordPress, uh, that was a really interesting and thought-provoking concept. So, so what, do you, what do you think, Tom, of this? You know, you've got these separate hosting, large hosting providers buying plugins here, plugins there, and they're offered the free version and the premium version is still offered. But don't you think at some stage they're going to offer a kind of premium plus or they offer the free plugin, but if you want the extra functionality, you've got also got to get the hosting from them. Isn't that, isn't, aren't they inevitably going to do that? Yeah, I don't know. No. I mean, well, I just. You can't like, ask him to give away the trade secret. No, there, there's no secrets here. I mean, I just, I don't, like, I don't, the only reason that I think a hosting provider buys a plugin is to acquire customers. Like the, the, especially like you got to think about what type of customers are you getting and what is the audience of the plugin that you're acquiring? Because if you're talking about agencies and design, like what, as a hosting provider, I don't want to pigeonhole people into having a specific set of plugins. The beauty of the ecosystem is you can choose what you want in your stack. And so we've shied away from this, concept of like 
building plus plus features with plugins like that should be the plugin manufacturer's job to build that plus plus feature if they want to have it right and and yeah maybe they can partner with someone but i don't know i'm just i see all these acquisitions of plugins by hosting i mean look the hosting companies have a lot of the money in this space okay i mean that's just the truth of it right um and so there's one of these things, I, I just I think they're trying to acquire and consolidate customers. And for the people who want it easy and they don't have an opinion of what plugin to use, they're like, oh yeah, we give you a WooCommerce, you know, metrics and analytics package with your e-commerce platform. And they're trying to differentiate off of that. In my mind, what we're trying to do is differentiate with more innovative technology, not co cobbling together existing solutions and yeah. making it turnkey. Yeah. So what do you reckon of the article, Chris? I think uh, words have power. So as a product creator, I want my plugin to be sticky. A negative way to say that is to use the word lock-in. But uh, as a user, I don't like lock-in. If I want to change my, it would be very hard for me to move out of active campaign, my CRM to a different one because I'm really locked in and I have all this. Well, like, no, you're not. You could get WP <laughs> Fusion, one of the former uh, great products. Yeah, that's um, true. That is true. That is true. But um, I think in WordPress, we just have to balance the decentralized free market thing, uh, the ability to change with also having great products. Like hosting is an example. It's fairly easy to switch between hosts. And I think that creates healthy competition. Um, when it comes to things like uh, block library plugins, those are hard things to switch out of. So like in the ethos of WordPress, I mean, I would like, I would welcome somebody to build an LMS migrator plugin because I'm okay with that open market competition. I'm okay with that as a product creator. But I know that um, I, I like, I would prefer my product to be sticky, but I'm okay with competing. And I think that's the challenge here. Like the example with Divi and all the short codes all over the place. Sometimes it's a limitation of the technology at the time. I call it, I call it Divididitis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it may be a technology limitation. It may not be the product creator's fault that it creates all this like technical debt. Other things have low switching costs. So it, it, all, it all just depends. But I think it's an exciting time. The problem is non-designers picking up tools that the, the tools need to protect non-designers from themselves. So you can kind of end up with like all this like schizophrenic design. There's just too, ma too many layers yeah, of abstraction. Never, 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 yeah. never. No. <laughs> uh, I've got Andrew joined us. It was a little bit late, but thank you for joining us, Andrew. So what did you think of story one? Well, I'm similar. You know, I, I, you know I'm a Divi user. Oh, well, bless your little heart. <laughs> And I am a Divi user. I'm a Divi advocate. Yeah. I love Divi. Uh, it's great. And I use all the other builders as well. But Divi is, as I say, 45 minutes, you can build a website. If you're locked into that, then so what, you know? Um, and Divi are working on not doing short codes. So they will be HTML based in a year's time or something, or maybe even two. But it, it only took longer than Gutenberg. Shush. <laughs> the, um, the point is, is what Chris, Chris makes a very valid point. If people want you to actually be locked in, that's the whole point of phone contracts, 18 months, you can't move, TV contracts, 18 months, you can't move. Theme developers, Lifter LMS and, and plugin developers and other LMS systems, 
they want you to be locked in. And I don't see why you shouldn't be locked in because if the product is good enough, you're going to be locked in. You're going to say, right, well, why would I need to move? And there might be a shiny thing over. That, that's the assuming the product continues to exist. Well, exactly. But if you're if you're you know if you've got to trust the the plugin makers and the theme makers and the and the whatevers to say that 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 will exist. And hold the whole point about you know I got in the last bit of Tom's uh, comment of hosting providers buying stuff. Well, they bought Elegant Marketplace. A hosting provider bought Elegant Marketplace to you know hundred thousand customers, nice database, nice plugins on there, whatever. Um, it's to tie people in. It's to get people to continually use your product. It's stickiness. That's what we're all aiming for is getting stickiness and for the, the longevity. And if the plugin stops existing, and again, I can comment on this because some plugins I, I acquired last month, they were just not being redeveloped. They were just not being developed. Somebody else will take them over, you know, and that's the whole thing about WordPress. So I've, my, my thoughts on the article after, you know, literally two minutes of reading it are, I kind of like the locking. You, you, you only you get two stars for that. Tom actually gets five stars. Well, the, the, lock-in is, the lock-in is fine, but do you know what? Everything's got technical debt. If you move from Windows, we're, yeah. we've got an upgrade from Windows 10 to Windows 11. That's going to have some technical debt, you know. So, you just uh, yeah, it. I, I mean, it it it's true that it's kind of inevitable in technology that you have yeah. to do those things. And also, I, I mean, you know, you don't know uh, what you're going to have to do in terms of a redesign. Uh, the, you know, I mean, usually people don't like, you know, change themes every week for the variety in, no. in a way that I, Always, that I um, think people well, expected. But, you know, if you're dealing with a corporation, like they may decide to move to an entirely different content management system or builder or platform or 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 whatever. So it doesn't really, it, in, in which case it's not going to matter if if you've got, you know, stuff done a certain way in in Gutenberg or in always, anything else. I always thought that part of WordPress, you know, you can just slap on another theme, blah, blah, blah. It was always, I won't say a lie, but it was slightly misleading. I'll, well, it's, it's A, aspirational, and B, tied to the origin of WordPress as a blogging tool, because if mm. all you're doing is writing mainly text blog posts, then there's <laughs> just not that much that can be messed up. Yeah, that's true. Let's go on to the story too. Unfortunately, uh, Morton the um, uh, was going to join us, and he's always welcome. Um, but unfortunately, at the last minute, he got called in by his boss at, at LinkedIn Education. Um, so, um, but he wrote a great article: ban facial recognition. Um, Chris, what did you think of this? Very. Well written article from our beloved um, love of the show, Morton. Well, first, I appreciate Morton doing the the work on the ethics and tech that he does because it needs to be it needs to happen so the technology doesn't get away from us. Um, when it comes to facial recognition, I think the technology is not the problem; it's more the permission and the privacy issues. So if somebody cards you and asks you for your ID, whether it's a cop or at a grocery store, can I see some ID? There's a opportunity for you to consent to handing over your personal information. And you don't actually, in America, you don't actually have to do it, do you? 
True. Te- and, and technically not. I mean, you know, they, they will, may refuse he, to he admit you shoot, or sell you or he, whatever. He'll probably he, get very upset and shoot you, but yeah, like um, the, but legally you, you don't have to give him um, that. Nah, you're white. They probably won't shoot you. Right. The customs, though, they won't let you in the country if you don't no. <laughs> show your passport. But um, if we think about it, a lot of the tech is really outdated. For example, medical records. I think that should be on a blockchain somewhere, but there has to be this level of consent that happens to give your medical records. In today's world, it's insane that we have to fill out all these forms like all the every time we go into healthcare. Um, that we have technology 30 years ago that could have made that better. So facial recognition, it's really just the uh, it's the big brother permission, like not asking for permission and capturing all this data, that's really the issue here. So it's not the technology, it's it's who gets to use it and are people aware of it? Like even if you're not going to ask for consent, the next layer of good up from there is just making people aware of where it's happening. Like for example, in public uh, streets or, or public gathering places and stuff like that for security purposes. People need to at least be aware of where it's happening. But yeah, it's just a permissions issue from my point of view. So what did you think of this thing, Andrew? Because you live in the UK, the most monitored, um, you know, you've got more cameras in London than any city in the whole of the world. And all conversations are monitored by MI5 and MI6. You know, um, it's the most monitored and surveyed country in the world, isn't it? It, it is. Um, and do you know what? I think we just forget that. We forget when we're walking around town, we can be identified by a multitude of cameras in London, a multitude of, you know, even in my little village, there's cameras looking at you all the, all over the place. Um, and But I think what Chris says is right. It, the technology is... Think of it from a from a um, a victim's perspective. I get assaulted in the street. Somebody punches me in the face. Boom! That person that punched me in the face, if they haven't got a hoodie or a face mask on, have been recognised. And and if they've got a record, they'll be found and be prosecuted, and I'll get some compensation. If you think of it from a privacy perspective, we as individual individual human beings say that we've got freedom now we've not we haven't got freedom the lockdown has proved that we haven't got freedom because if we had freedom we could do whatever we like whenever we like so we we have certain freedoms and that's what you've got to really class that as and we're the same as america you know we we all believe in freedom and freedom of speech but we also currently the government my government is now selling our healthcare data to a third party. Oh, I'm so surprised, Andrew. It's just the data, but you, there is a chance, you, there, you do have an opportunity to opt out. There's a website you can go to. And opt I out. Hasn't, you are, hasn't Boris told you that he's already uh, selling the country, the whole country? Mate, to we're, in Arabia, we're, in, we're in Big Brother already. Don't worry about it. But uh, the, the point is, is that it is about privacy. It's about It's about options and it's about choosing whether or not you become part of this massive database. But we all say we don't want to be identified. We all say we don't want to be tracked. We don't want a COVID passport. We don't want a passport. We don't want ID cards because it interferes with our basic freedoms. And then we all have one of these. 
Yeah. <laughs> We're idiots. Well, right? well yes, We're idiots. this is this is everybody, what I point out to, to the knows. people who, who think that if you get vaccinated, you know, they're putting a chip in your arm and like the chip manufacturers only wish. But uh, like, who needs everybody to? I take. I have the phone everywhere. <laughs> they, they, they don't know. The, if you, report was was basically pre-crime right so even if you thought about a crime you were charged with that crime that was what minority report was, and, and he he alludes well, to what, that as well but we are look- being targeted every single day by advertising we know Netflix knows what what films we watch. They know what adverts we, we what kind of demographic we are. Uh, Facebook knows what we're doing on Facebook. Twitter knows what we're doing on Twitter, and and all this kind of thing. And we are we have been demographed from day dot. And actually, who started it in the UK and who started it globally was Tesco with their reward card. That was a, a data. Graph. I knew. I knew. I knew Tesco was the um, for our um, North American Tesco is a supermarket in the UK. I always knew that Tesco used was to shop the real, there often, was, but I don't recollect they had a reward yeah. card. Yeah, they, had a, they, they, they were the first ones with DNBNB, the the data based people, you know, based up the road from me, and now sold. They were the first ones to capture demographic data and see the value of it. I always knew they were the supreme evil force in the world. Yeah. So, Spencer, what did you what did you think of this article? I mean, it wasn't Sainsbury's or Marks and Spencer. It was Tesco. It was Tesco. So, I I miss Morton on the show, but I always enjoy his thoughtfulness, and I agree with Chris that he's kind of like doing some good work in this space. I felt a little um, skeptical of his call for this to be banned because what we found is that we live in a world where access to the higher levels of technology once that genie's out of the bottle is a piece of cake, right? I mean, this isn't like in 1940-something where you had to have a test facility in the Nevada desert to figure out how to make a nuclear bomb. I mean, people now with software or this technology, it's out, it's out. And so the real issue to me is more about what we decide as a humankind to do about it, but not that banning it is going to work. I just don't see that ever happening. It'll be in the hands of the people that are nefarious and not the rest of us. So, and to Andrew's point as well, which by the way, I, is there an MI5 and a 5.0, 5.2, 5.6, and then a 6? Like how many well, MIs uh, are there? Well, 5. Um, five. Are they 5.0 beta? No, um, M5 is internal security, MI6 is external. It's a bit like the FBI is internal and the CIA is external. Well, supposed to be, but they hate one another with a passion. uh, um, I got to figure out, I got to go watch my James Bond again to make sure. Uh, We also have a thing called the special branch. Oh, yeah, but they're just thugs, aren't they? They're not the intellectuals. They're, they're called upon to do the thuggish work, Spencer. So, like, as you said, in, in whichever agency is watching it, I mean, it's a well-known thing. This has been decades now, right, that every single street corner everywhere in London, but certainly most of Great Britain, I think, is covered by cameras. I mean, at all the train oh. stations, plane stations, everywhere. Yeah, so I want to give you some info. I want to give you some in, um, additional information, Spencer, 
almost in MI5, MI6, over two-thirds of the personnel are female, actually. They make much better spies than men, actually. I mean, according <laughs> to you. <laughs> we're constantly I'll, underestimated. I'll give you a comparative. No, you're very two-faced. From, <laughs> from an American city like Chicago, I'll give you a comparative. Now, the city of Chicago installed, and this is the difference that is subtle, but it's important. We're capitalist-based, and we're big whiners. Now, we don't know what really our secret services are doing, and there's this facility the NSA has that everybody seems to feel is tapping everybody's phones, but we're not aware of it in our face. In Chicago, they installed many years ago these traffic light cameras. They did a contract with a private company. Now, they were on every street corner. Now, the difference between like knowing about it and whining about it versus what happens in Britain is that as soon as enough people realized that every single corner they were blowing the lights on, they were getting tickets, it was a political nightmare for the Chicago politicians because they just didn't collect the data surreptitiously. They literally sent out a uh, million uh, tickets. I, I just want to tell you a story. They tried that in Reno, um, and they were used for target practice. <laughs> Right. They had to get rid of them in the end because they were being shot. What was happening is that people were were climbing the poles and spray painting the cameras or they were (laughs) twisting them down. But the point I'm saying is the reason people started to care wasn't that they were there. It was that they were there and they were spitting out these huge $250 tickets ad nauseum. And that caused a political repercussion. So the answer to like how this is solved quite frankly, is nearly impossible in American politics today. It's getting at the politicians that are in bed with the people making decisions that this is good for a country. Clearly, Britain has made their choice that they need this data, which is ironic to me in many ways, because Great Britain, the police officers don't carry firearms in most cases. Whereas in America, you don't really need the cameras because on every street corner is a cop ready to beat the shit or shoot somebody for jaywalking. And that's our problem. You know, we've got the same weirdness, but just different, you know, combinations of stuff. So we've got a long way to go. And quite honestly, for me, I'm just, I can't, it's not soon enough till the aliens come down and tell everybody the origin stories of man are nothing what we thought. And we all start thinking like human beings and get Will Smith over here to help us, you know, let's fight the aliens as humans together or something. Yeah, but enough so, of between so Tom, um, you, I'll, give you, I'll give you out of 10, six for your last answer. So let's see how you get on with this one, Tom. Uh, um, what do you think of it? Um, I agree with the, with the panel, Tom, that you can't put the genie back, but don't we need some really clear laws around privacy in America, really? Uh, I don't know about the law. Yeah, sure. Okay. But let me back up. I I have always long been of the mindset that privacy and security is a complete illusion. There is none, right? I mean, if somebody wants your data bad enough, it's likely already out there. And, you know, um, it's better to be more obscure than it is, you know, as you're not a target. But I've long thought this, and this is what lets me sleep well at night, but this is the, one of the stories, Jonathan, that I was telling you, which is, you know, it gave me stress reading this because one, yeah, you can't put any technology back in the bottle. Totally agree with Spencer. It'll only be in the hands of the, the wrong people. But two, I don't like the idea. I don't mind Andrew's like analogy of like cameras in the streets filming. What's going on. I don't mind that. Okay. I don't mind observation in public places. What I mind is 
storing this data and then doing what with it by who. So that's one thing that I don't like is the notion that they've got this massive database and the, the, the idea that all of these cameras are being centralized, your movements can be tracked. That's a little creepy to me. And then the other thing is people like this lady in the story, which I had to copy that snippet out and send it to my team on Slack because I was like, this is technology gone wrong, you know, where she had a picture of her kid in the background of some like, you know, uh, unsavory photo that she was there, video she was taking and it sent it to her mom. The, people don't understand how this technology works. And it's like you opt into these things thinking, oh yeah, that's great. You forget about them. And then all of a sudden, you know, things are happening you didn't want to have happen. Uh, and so, I don't know, that's my take on it. Laws, yes. I mean, we need laws to hold mostly probably corporate I mean, I, I don't know. The government's going to do what they want to do. I don't know if laws apply to them anymore, at least here in the U.S. Like, I feel like, you know, I mean, with the whole like Snowden thing, I mean, governments are going to do what they want to do, right? If we let them. Can so. I just interject? No, we have, a, we have our health secretary who owns 20% of a business that happens to be owned by his sister that is a no, national don't be so harsh. Don't be so harsh, Andrew. You know, hey, you, don't, you, gotta, you, gotta, you know, you don't join government to be a serve to serve the people. You got to make money from it, Andrew. For God's yeah. sake, be realistic, Andrew. <laughs> it literally does my head in, but there you go. There you go. You're just not on message, Andrew. This is your problem. You're just not on message. Uh, Rob, we need to go for our break. We'll be back in a few moments. LaunchFlows turns your WooCommerce website into a selling machine. We make it easy to create gorgeous sales funnels, no friction checkouts, order bumps, upsells, downsells, and much more. Gain full control over your buyer's journey from the top of your WooCommerce sales funnel all the way to the bottom. Best of all, you can use your favorite page builder, such as Elementor, Divi, Beaver Builder, Gutenberg, or one of the high-converting templates we've included inside. Get rid of the clunky WooCommerce shop pages and checkout process in favor of an optimized buyer flow that instantly increases conversions and makes you more money. LaunchFlows provides one-click order bumps that increase the total value of every sale with a 10-30% to 30 conversion rate. This is perfect for anyone offering complimentary products, training, or extended warranties. With unlimited upsells and downsells, your buyer's journey doesn't need to end at the checkout. Instead, we make it easy to display a series of additional offers as part of the original transaction. This is perfect for one-time offers, related products, mastermind class offers, high-ticket software sales, or subscription supplements. Not an expert? Don't worry. We've got the training and the consultation you need. WP Launchify will teach you how to get the most out of launch flows with personal consultation on WordPress, WooCommerce, marketing automation, and much more. If you want to earn more money with your WooCommerce online business, you owe it to yourself to try launch flows today. We're coming back. Andrew's just looks 
you know, he just looks a bit peeved off. But Angie, what did you expect with the great leader, Boris, as head of the government? How did how did you think this was all going to go, Andrew? Exactly <laughs> the way it's gone, because he was yes. London mayor for six years much and quicker, I had to deal with that. Much quicker than most people, but I thought it wouldn't take long for him to balls it. Totally Our government up. is so corrupt, it's beyond belief. For them. I mean, you, yeah, guys, you guys realise that when they've studied politicians, that the personality necessary to succeed at getting elected is the exact opposite personality of the type of people you want to solve your problems. I mean, that's well, what, yes, exactly. I mean, this, this Obama talked about it in his book, and I'm not saying he was perfect, but at least he was honest enough. That's well, I, oh, he was. But, I would say he's a total scumbag and liar. But he, was but anyway. he was honest enough to explain, like when he went from the local to the state to the whatever national. It's a, he explained that the people at the international level of politics were frighteningly incompetent, like the same people he knew at the local, you know, neighborhood level in yeah. Chicago. I mean, that's what he, he's talking about. And that's what we're all basically electing yeah. again and again and again. Yeah, right. Maybe we need the robots to be our leaders. And yeah, this guy, this guy. Well, the robots will only duplicate the problem because technology is created by people. Yeah, this guy to a nicer subject, which would not stress out um, Tom so much. Um, this, this, guy, this guy to just how niche, niche is headless WordPress. This comes from um, CES Tricks. Um, Chris Goyer, um, just a great article. So, Spencer, what did you think of uh, of this piece? I love Chris Goyer and CSS Tricks, always have, always will. And uh, this is a really good... I, I felt like I was listening to myself write this article because he's basically saying it's a really neat parlor trick. It's awesome. And there's all these complications involved in having to do this. And if anybody doesn't know what he's talking about, it's headless WordPress is where you separate your mind from the front-end display of the content versus the back-end of WordPress because there's a powerful back-end. And now with some things like Gatsby and other software, people have been experimenting, all the geeks, of, look, I can have this cool jQuery JavaScript front-end that has nothing to do with themes and plugins and all the rest, but I can use the back-end of uh, the REST, a you know, REST API to, to do my magic. But he says, in a practical sense, and this relates to our earlier story about the battle of the page builders and so forth, like, who the F cares? Because in the real world where the rubber hits the road, not everybody is a geek sitting there with using Grunt and all the latest Node.js stuff. The real people using this are like your end user client who can barely keep up hey, with the Gutenberg page editor. When Avada supports headless with one click, we'll all have it. Right. <laughs> let me throw, by the way, let me throw a log on to Tom Finelli's fire. Avada X theme, anything that comes from Forest. Let me throw all four of those into the nightmare of why do you not follow the WordPress, you know, theme hierarchy with how you operate? Like everything about those themes just destroys everybody's website. And then they come asking, why can't I do things? It's because you decided to get in a truck that's driving on the wrong side of the highway with that theme. Oh, Jesus, I'm getting hot. No, I just want to... Oh, dear, I know I'm taking a very Jerry Seinfeld tone of voice today. I, I'd like to retract my comments about Avada. I'm sorry for getting this started. <laughs> <laughs> What's the deal with Avada? The judge instructs the jury to, to uh, ignore that 
the, <laughs> that statement. Uh, 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 well, yes. I mean, it's like, it's always struck me as like kind of a developer toy. Uh, and that, you know, there are these corporate content and, and you know, document and whatever uh, management uh, tools, asset management tools that are designed for you to like create the content here and then you publish it to that channel and that channel and that channel and that channel, um, which is great in theory if you've got like a, a team trained to do it. But, you know, it's hard for me to see why somebody who was already using a tool of that kind and probably paying tons of money because it's no doubt all proprietary would try switching to headless WordPress. Uh, and it's I've also seen that we've got this real collision happening because WordPress itself with the block editor is being more and more is more and more oriented around presentation, which is precisely the thing that the headless stuff is, uh, you know, saying, oh, well, we're going to do that instead of you doing that. Uh, yeah, but that's one of the beauties of WordPress, isn't it, Chris? You know, you, you can go your own. Don't even, I'm not technically... I think, Chris, I don't know if you would agree, I think I agree with Spencer it, and and what the article says. It appeal, I think it appeals to the developers that are really into React and into not that familiar, not really invested in the WordPress ecosystem. They're more Right. So, you know, more, who's working with your tool? If If you've actually got like a developer team... Uh, uh, building the site, then that it's probably great for them. Uh, if yeah. you don't, it may not be the best way to go. Yes, I think the the beauty of WordPress is that it's simultaneously built for like the beginner and this advanced user. So it's it's kind of like a WordPress multi-site for building a a WAS or SaaS like business. It's like a very niche use case of WordPress. It's like way more advanced and putting up a brochure site for your business or your personal blog. So I think it's good that it exists, but it's definitely super niche. Yeah, I think it's going to keep niche, really. But it has its place, definitely, doesn't it? Is it super niche, though? Um, I think newspapers, publications, they're all going to... You know, let's not forget that um, Stratic, you know, Miriam Schwab's company, I think it's called Stratic, mm. You know, they got six million or three million or, you know, they got they got big investment anyway, only last year. And I think the headless WordPress uh, mantra is speed and security. So if you are a corporate and you want to use WordPress or you want to use a publishing platform that all of your team can use and press publish and it will go onto your website, with the added benefits of speed and security, I think it is useful. Uh, yeah, it that doesn't, doesn't mean it's not viable. Just because okay, well, the niche could be super profitable. Right. And I, I do think that, you. I mean, speed and security are things everyone wants. And you can sure. tell that by all the hosting providers are, you know, that, that's one of the, the difficulties in the hosting space is that, Everyone says they're the fastest, the most secure, with the best support and the happiest customers and blah, blah, blah. The, the challenge is, though, speed and security, how much speed and security, at what cost? 
One of the things I love about developers is they're always talking about trade-offs, right? Because there's no decision in and of itself that doesn't have some degree of trade-off um, on it. And so, um, you know, the challenge with this headless stuff, and I've always been the advocate of it, that it is a very niche thing, but I'm going to play devil's advocate today after I play, play my regular position. My regular position is that it is something that for the for a site that needs the specific type of issues, like, for instance, in my world, we're trying to tackle scaling of WordPress, right? If you have a mostly static site that needs to deal with like a lot of different scaling and surges in customers, it might be very well worth it for you to invest in figuring out and implementing decoupled or headless WordPress. Um, but my, uh, and I do think that the notion of this is probably a correct idea, all right? But there are a lot of WooCommerce membership sites and database-driven um, websites out there with the, they'll never be able to go WordPress or decoupled. And so you have to be able to figure out like, what is the solution then? That's what kind of where our, my company comes in. But I want to fast forward. I think maybe in like 10 to 20 years, maybe everything will be decoupled. Maybe, maybe the, the, I've always been the, 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 the mindset of this is like, you know, completely niche and it's not for everyone. And that's the case right now, but in the future, I think like we're working on doing ways of using decoupled technology where it doesn't require you to re-engineer your site, which is something that's sort of like this. If someone could figure that out, it would be magical. Um, can you have the benefits of being decoupled without having the engineering overhead of rebuilding, redesigning, changing plugins and doing a massive switch out of stuff? And that's what I'm trying to, I'm thinking about is, is that future possible for people? Yeah, but Tom, Tom and Andrew, you're forgetting, there's one thing you're forgetting. If you want to solve all your security problems on WordPress, all you have to do is install Jetpack, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and you complained about uh, Tom using bad words. Uh, yeah, but don't, you know, the great leader, you know, it's the driving force behind WordPress. It's like the value don't, don't, of don't, don't you know? Aren't you on message, Tom and Andrew? You know, uh, I had to sit. I had to sit through a conference when he actually said that to the audience. It's the driving force of WordPress. Yeah, yeah. All right. There we go. Uh, um, we uh, yes, all... the driving the developers up the wall force of WordPress. <laughs> well, you're not on message either, uh, Sally. So there we go. I never am, no, and no, I'm no. just not important enough for anybody to care. No, I can no. really see why this show ends friendships and brings out the worst in people. I mean, you know. <laughs> You don't have to even say anything. I don't have any friends. It's just guilt by association here, so you're already in too deep. So just write everybody a letter saying it's been nice. We don't have any problems in WordPress where the guy that runs it actually thinks Jetpack actually is the driving force of the the, the <laughs> got no problems at all, uh, but never mind. Uh, um, on to the next story. Oh God, yeah, oh, my favourite my company and CEO. Um, document culture of Amazon. So, Chris, what did you think of this one? I think Amazon actually has a lot of great 
uh, business principles. Like I like <laughs> you, you all, you all, Like I like how they have that thing at a meeting where there's an empty chair to represent the customer. I think that's like a <laughs> <cool> thing. <laughs> The uh, the, <laughs> I think it represents the title lack of any morals or efficacy. I don't Sorry. know. I think there's two. There's a Amazon is a tale of two stories. Like there's a lot of great stuff, and then it can be seen as like this evil empire. So, uh, but if we're just taking taking the positive glasses on, I think that uh, you know, running meetings, a lot of companies just don't do well at all. Uh, but what they've the way they do it and how like the writing clarifies the thinking, people have time to read and then get into it. Um, I think it's a it's a super cool way to be more efficient with meetings because so much meet a meeting is a tool. People that say that they, they hate meetings, whether they're the the boss or the the people attending the meeting or or the team that's collaborating, they hate them because they don't know how to run them. And they're not using one of the most effective tools in management and running a company. So this idea of clarifying the thinking without people having to do homework and then just get into the document, I think is I think it's a really cool idea. I, I agree with you on that. But whatever happened to an agenda? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we we whenever we had a meeting of physical, and I used to, I, I was one of the guys. We really have to have this meeting. Um, but we, if we had an agenda and you have a chairman of the meeting, doesn't matter who it, it can be, anybody, but they then run on the agenda. Like this show sometimes goes off track and the host <laughs> sometimes brings us back. You know, it d- depends. But, I mean, you know, he's more guilty of putting it off track than anyone else. But if you have an ag- a proper agenda, then meetings can be I love very, you very as well. I, I love you as well, Andrew. <laughs> You know they can be productive without people interrupting. But the point is, is that this is this is just another agenda. It's just another way of using agenda. Amazon are whether you love them or loathe them. Listen, we didn't have AWS. We wouldn't have Netflix. We wouldn't have BBC. We wouldn't have the Telegraph. We wouldn't have you know everything that's going around. You know, people are paying them hundreds of millions of dollars a month for AWS to stream in you know TV programs for us to watch in in lockdown and. To, to host websites that we think are necessary. But the, but, the, but the one thing that I got from the article was, is why did you have to do this? Because it's existed for eons in, in, the, in the whole, like my, my, going back to my point of just do an agenda. What's wrong with having an agenda and sticking to it? You know, come on, get a grip. You don't have to write a whole article. This is how brilliant AWS are about, you know, letting us read the documentation together. That's a that's a massive waste of time. And if people don't read the documentation, they work for you, and they aren't up to speed on what is going to be discussed in the meeting. See ya. It's a bit like you're not, you're it's not bit, committed it's to this business. You know, you, I don't want you because you're not committed to this business. So it's it, it's a great meetings are a great way to get rid of the chase. It's, a bit, it's a bit like not yeah. reading the articles that coming on this. You can do it, but I will take the piss out of you. I've read it. I've uh, got my phone. I know, I know you have, but if you want to come on this, you can do that. But I will, I will take the right to take the piss out of you consistently. No but obviously, but you know that's me. But uh, um, so, Tom, what did you think of the of, the, of this article? 
Well, um, I've actually been familiar with this before, and I've actually talked to people at Amazon who um, love this. I, I don't think I've ever met anyone who didn't like this approach. It just seems like, um, as someone who's probably more comfortable communicating verbally, it feels like it, it, there is a bit of like overhead that is required. But I, so I think here's the thing. I think that when you're doing technical things and doc details and documentation are extremely important and they can get easily missed in a meeting because I have been in several meetings where details don't get picked up on. And people are like, oh, that was mentioned in that meeting. And having a document really helps clarify that stuff. And I absolutely agree. People don't read emails. They skim things. And so I like the idea of having somebody who's going to propose something or calling a meeting, collect their thoughts on a technical topic and force people almost to read that. Because in the flow of life with all the distractions, you can't do that stuff very well. In, in it, I really um, disagree with you, Tom. You know, if I if I'm an adult and I get called to the meeting and I have to bloody sit there and he's reading out the bloody document, I just tell the bloke, "Don't take the piss out of me. I've read it." You know, if I, if I go if I'm going to go to a meeting and I'm dumb enough not to read the bloody supporting documentation. That's down to me because I'm gonna, you know, I should be cut up in in flames and look like the bloody pillock which I am, you know. Okay, <laughs> but, okay, but the the flip side of that is I would not, I don't like this for communicating big ideas of vision. Okay, mm. and so I think that needs to be done verbally because I think that you can rally emotional support. You can communicate, you can read people's faces, see they have, you know, there's an opportunity in person to communicate like that. And a document is just to me, like not going to impart the same passion that a person explaining a concept or vision to a team would do. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing is, I think, especially if they come from the legal background, they have, they have a tendency to write, a lot of people um, are very long-winded. Not only <laughs> look, look the kettle going black here, um, <laughs> tend to be a little bit uh, long-winded, and especially when it comes to writing, um, they're even more long-winded. Um, I think in general, people don't spend enough time, you know, getting to the crux of it and, tr- and having some consideration for their fellow colleagues, you know. Um, it's one of the nice things having dyslexia because I, I keep my, I have to keep my um, emails and as short as possible because I, I have to invest a bit more time in the writing of them. So I try and keep everything as short as possible. And if it, if it gets to a certain level, um, it's better to have a quick Zoom then some godforsaken long-winded email. What do, you, what do you reckon, Spencer? Well, I'm come. I'm coming from right field on this because as an entrepreneur, if I have to sit through a meeting of multiple people, other than you know a web, uh, some kind of web-related performance or what you know webinar, um, it's all over for me. I mean, it's nap time. I don't know how people do this, but we have a couple enterprise clients and. Uh, my, my probably way more capable than I protege, Luke, 
is who sits through those meetings. Like one client in particular. You, you do that to him, do you? You make No, he, he actually, he actually like Have, we, have, we have you one, got no compassion? We, we, let me put it like this. We have one client in particular who they, they're, their setup is not organized like a typical corporation. So they can't decide what time of day it is without having a 12-person meeting for an hour. And so in doing that, I feel like my life is slipping away drip by drip. So it was hard for me essentially to relate to this article other than I do agree with the comment of... So, again, to, so, to, deal with, so to deal with it, you send an employee to that. Well, he, no, he's chosen that because he oh, does right. that well. Otherwise, I don't know, I don't know how you live. With otherwise, your I would be like the guy on that old uh, movie network where I said, "I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore," and that would be the end of the client or me or something. But I will say this: Andrew's comment about why not just have an agenda sort of makes more sense to me. I can't find a more condescending recommendation than to say, "Okay, kids." Here's the document. Everybody quietly read to yourself, and then we'll all talk about it. I mean, that's like kindergarten. Who the f wants to do that in a corporate setting? I, I just tell the everybody. Billy, Tom made a Billy good point. If it's a technical start. document, if it's a technical document, Tom's point is valid. You know, I'm not. I'm. I'm not afraid of walking back on my views. I, I, I agree. General meetings need an agenda and three, three agendas, right? 10 minute meetings, max. I have a max 10 minute meeting a week. Uh, I had a business partner that wanted to meet every single week on Zoom for an hour every single day. And I went, no, that is not going to happen. But you know, 10 minutes a week, that's all you need. If you've, if you've got stuff going on, the other thing is just chatter, right? But Tom's point about technical documentation and having a meeting with the relevant people, you've chosen a technical job. Right, so you're going to have to get through these meetings. But in general terms, meetings should be banned, in my view. They, you, should just, you should just go, right, this is what we're going to talk about. Boom, 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 end of story. Get on with it. And that's it. Otherwise, you're going to be left with too many thoughts in your mind. And also what happened about... You know, growing up in the agency world, in the ad agency world, every single meeting we had with clients went for hours and generally went over lunch because the client had rock all else to do. And then we had to write write a flipping action plan on it. You know, it was just, oh, it drove me mad. So, no, no to meetings. And if they are, have an agenda and three points, that's it and all about it. Right, yeah, that's my view. Let's go on to this last one, and then um, we go on to recommendations and blah blah blah. Um, try to create John Lewis. John Lewis to our American friends is a um, is a is an upper class department store um, in the UK. Um, I tried to create the John Lewis site using WordPress block editor. Here's what happened. Um, I watched it and I was quite impressed actually. What 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 why have you what you been going on about, Spencer? You, you kind of make out it's unusable. It it looked reasonably I impressive. Unusable. I said that in order to make it usable, and he indicates this himself, you always have to end up sticking something else in there to to fix the missing pieces. And right now, there are some things like uh, Andrew's uh, relationship with, the, you know, Meniere and stuff at Gutenberg Hub. They've got that add-on plugin, or you can use the one from uh, Brainstorm Force. There are third-party plugins that complement Gutenberg that fill in the missing blocks. And in my opinion, I, I agree. I gave into this a month or two ago. I agree that Gutenberg is removing one layer 
of a page builder. So if you can use a supplemental plugin to achieve the layout you want with the functionality you want, absolutely, I say go for it. And even at the expense of using a short code with launch flows. But that is conditional upon, it's not Gutenberg doing it. You gotta have the knowledge of, whoa, there's a missing bit here. And he talks about that in the video. He's like, oh, I couldn't do the jazzy JavaScripty thingy. I gotta go find some way to do that. Well, imagine you're making a meal and you go to the store and buy a thousand little bits and bobs. You come home and make it. Everybody's going to be there in five minutes and you realize, oh, I needed that one ingredient and I don't have that. And the whole thing tastes funny. That's what I'm saying. It's like it either works entirely or it doesn't. WordPress has always been an environment yeah. in, yeah, in which you need to add, that right now is what I'm add plugins to do stuff. I'm saying it's uh, a compromise at the moment. Right. All of the page builders have tons of third-party add-ins to do stuff that's not built into them, even though they have a lot of stuff built in. Not uh, for the core stuff. I'm talking about like right now, he's able to do certain things with copying a site. I agree. But some of the stuff that he shows, I mean, when you watch the video, you can well, see. Well, it's also, John his Lewis knowledge is like a nine. And most people's knowledge is like a Oh, yeah. Four. I mean, it's clear. Oh, you, it's you clear are fooling. You're, you're struggling now. It's He's very facile in a way that other people would not be, especially if they weren't already familiar with the interface. But that's true of like almost uh, anybody well, uh, demonstrating anything, right? You've got how to do such and such with Photoshop in five minutes. And the guy is like moving so fast you can't see his hands. And, and uh, you know, uh, uh, that's kind of how it goes with people who know how to a, do something. Just their hands. Just their hands. There you go. Um, so, yeah. So what did you well, I did send the I did send the video to Heather, so she <laughs> hopefully she will be rejoining. She's on the, I think she's on my side of the table with this. It's nice. We I want to love Gutenberg. You know why? Because that's actually the way that we solve many of the things we just talked about today. If you had Gutenberg working as it should, as a mostly comprehensive, we wouldn't have Battle of the Page Builders, and we wouldn't have Avada and X theme. Sorry, Tom coming in and creating havoc because people would just use, guess what? The built-in editor as part of the platform of WordPress, just like Wix and Weebly and Squarespace and Shopify all have their own editor. WordPress is the only world where people can make it up as they go. And it, I mean, there's niceness about that, but it's also, you know, potluck dinner time. What do you think about this, Chris Badgett? Because you've just, you're launching a new thing, 5.0, aren't you? And it's, it's got a Gutenberg block in it, right? Yeah, well, our stuff all uses Gutenberg, all the components of a course and all that. And we just built a form system for user information that's entirely built on top of Gutenberg. I think the big thing is the concept of the WYSIWYG editor. What you see is what you get. Gutenberg should, like um, this guy is, is showing, you should be able to actually copy something, see it, and then copy it and, and use the blocks to get 99% of the way there. Yeah. So I think I think it's pretty cool. I'm a fan. Basically, I, the way I look at Gutenberg is Wi-Fi WordPress. If WordPress is going this way, let's just innovate together. Yeah, I thought, so Tom, what do you think? I mean, look, we're going to get there eventually. That's well, one day, someday. One and we're going to get there eventually. I'm of the same mindset that Chris is and uh, I know there's diff disagreeing factions on this call, but um, I just, I don't personally want to place a bet against WordPress on this. Like Gutenberg is, 
I mean, you know, I just think there's too many people invested in making this thing work. It will get there eventually, but it is a work in progress. So it's so tactful. Hey, I will tell you though, let me do that. I, we, 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 um, I have been seeing a trend though. I will tell you on the performance and speed side, I have been really surprised that I, I'm, I, uh, I don't want to say this to, you know, I don't want to get in a battle of which page builder is the fastest, but I am seeing a trend in more Gutenberg sites out of the box being much faster than out of the box. Like, People are accidentally building who's highly optimized. Yeah, my only, um, my only, I wouldn't say slight criticism of your statement there, because I, I do understand where you're coming from, Tom, but I also think it's slightly a little bit of propaganda from certain forces, because it's like any of these scenarios. There was a, there's a particular other web provider, I interviewed the CEO of that particular web, where they're selling speed, um and they spin up um and they say and it, it, it integrated in it is a link that takes you to a well-known speed checker website and it shows a new, but the thing is it's got free plugins installed right where on my site which is a rather large website i've got almost 90 web pl- bloody plugins yeah. installed the average website that we're maintaining, when they come to us, they've got almost 50 to 60 plugins installed. It, yep. it just doesn't match up with reality, a lot of these speed tests and um, the, the realities of the average I don't think website. that changes Tom's point that, like, it's out of the box faster. So, yeah, you can load all kinds of things on it and slow it down. I mean, you know, anybody can create a slow website no matter what they start with. But I've if you, made, I've, if made got, a, I've made a career from it, Sammy. Yes, but if you've got if you've got less baggage to begin with, uh, that has to help. Well, what I, I'll give you a real a real world example. I, I've you know again we work with a lot of agencies. There are customers of ours that basically just port websites from other platforms into WordPress. Okay. And they went through using Elementor and Oxygen and now Gutenberg and speed and performance was always an issue. And their dev team didn't change anything in the way that they're doing anything. And their sites that are built in Gutenberg natively are scoring way higher in the page speed scores than Elementor and Oxygen. Now, it's not to say you can't do things to like we have one agency that exclusively uses oxygen and every single site that they build is awesome and super fast but they know a lot of secret methods and tool, not secret but you know methods and tools they are very secretive crowd at oxygen i must have eat i want to interject something here mm-hmm. very important thing tom just said and john's going to go off maybe on this tangent i want to make sure it's like see if you look at Gutenberg, it's native. And I 1,000% could not agree more that if we can sort that out, it's one less layer on the cake because you're already at that layer anyway. So adding anything on top of it is going to be slower, even if you're a magician. So I love the idea of that. But I want to specifically call it Oxygen versus Elementor or Divi or Beaver Builder. 
Oxygen and Brizzy have taken that going the wrong way on the highway approach where they're not adding a layer of compatibility on top. They're adding something in that completely works independent of everything else you're using and jams itself into every page, which to me is another level of nightmare because the people who are seduced by that don't understand what's happening. They just see, oh, look at that amazing thing. You mean they're going down the Divi road? No, Divi is slightly <laughs> different. Because than that. Divi, hold on. There's a big difference. Divi, Beaver Builder, and Elementor all comply with WordPress compatibility. So you turn them on or off on a page or you don't. Brizzy and Oxygen, fundamentally, you turn them on and your entire site is taken over and normal pages do not function properly because of the way they've injected themselves in. It's a subtle difference, but like now you've got a layer cake. The first layer, Gutenberg, if we can make that happen, peace and love, peace and love, because it's going to be always the fastest and the best. You put in a page builder layer and it's Divi, Beaver Builder, Elementor, you're fine. A little slower, but it can be optimized and everything else works normal. You go oxygen and brizzy, God help you and save your soul because it's going to break a lot of stuff because now there's a third layer of things with JavaScript, jQuery, CSS loading. And it's madness because now, I mean, I haven't tried it out, but like now you've got individual plugins, Gravity Forms, Chris's plugin, uh, Groundhog. Uh, they're all doing their own interfaces of how to do drag and drop WYSIWYG stuff. When you put that jQuery into a page where a page builder and Gutenberg and everybody are competing, spins your head around. And nobody understands that at the client level. The people who have to understand that are the people that are advising them what to use because it's like putting four engines into the same car and they're all competing for which one's in charge of running the wheels. And it's crazy. No, it's, a bit, it's a bit like having like the old thing, you know, installing four security plugins on the website and you know you know it's the same kind of concept you want you know you want to but yeah you know but that oxygen i've um i've asked the founder to come on the show about six times and he he never answers anything and i've approached a couple of their staff and you never get anything back from them they're the most secretive crowd i've ever come across they they address Uh, a particular brand of a particular type of client who is seduced by the sexiness of the interface but unfortunately the realities are not they're dealing they're not dealing with the outcome of it brizzy i I actually bought their LTD and I'm not picking on Dimitri or his team, but like they promise stuff that just has not been delivered. The cloud mm-hmm. thing and the plugin do not work as they said. And if you elect to use them, you're just essentially committing like Andrew and everybody said, you're committing to using that because in your stack of stuff, once you make a fatal decision to choose this over that, You've now got to live with that decision. And yeah, you did that with Divi a little bit because you committed to short codes in your post content, but that's not even close to the same kind of problems as I'm talking about. And I bring this back to the whole point of a platform. If WordPress is going to succeed in the future, it's because they get their shit together to unify the stack. So somebody who just comes into WordPress is like, oh, I get it. This is what you offer. Not... Yeah, well, that, that, you know, but that's the consequence. But it wouldn't of, be any fun anymore. No. Well, we, we wouldn't have, have a show. show. We would have a show, would we? We would have a show. When Gutenberg first came out, I had a client and uh, she phoned me up and said, What have you done to the website? I said, What do you mean? She went, It's fantastic. I said, What do you mean? She said, 
I can't believe that new page builder you've put in to, on our posts because she does five blog posts a day. It's sped up our workflow by 300%. It's, it's wonderful. I love it. It's so quick and easy. And the website is really, really fast now. I didn't do anything. Oh, Gutenberg yeah. just installed itself. There go. Crazy, right? There we go. Well, they need a good support company that won't allow automatic, you know, updating. There we go. <laughs> uh, um, so, um, oh, oh, <laughs> I'm very sarcastic today. Uh, Robert, there we go. Um, oh, God. Um, before we go on to our recommendations of the week, um, I just wanted to be doing a webinar, me and... Uncle Spencer, the evil genius of WordPress. Uh, um, we're doing it on Friday the 9th of July at around 10.30 Pacific Standard Time. We'd love you to join us. I'm going to throw it over to Spencer and he can tell you more about this great free webinar that we're going to do. Over to you, Spencer. Yeah, we're just going to carry on now with the stuff. If you've if you've attended our previous webinar showing how to, you know, launch a modern WordPress membership site with, let's say, your stack of particular stuff, we're going to carry I'm on. I presume we're not going to be using oxygen. We're going <laughs> to, you know, I, I did, I, in all fairness, I gave it the great college try and I gave a solution for those people who are using oxygen on how to do a WooCommerce sales funnel thing with launch flows. And I gave them a solution. It involved a, a, a plugin called the Free Song plugin that allows you to selectively turn off the JavaScript on particular pages. But the fact that I had to show that and the extra plugins is an example of what we're going to talk about. If you want to come in, and, and I, I appreciate what Andrew just said as well, because I am an advocate for if Gutenberg could just be turned on and used by itself, we would all have a much better day. So we're going to show with your default editor or maybe some of the page builders how to do practical examples of things in the real world that involve here's a typical website scenario with marketing automation, with sales funnels and so forth. And then I'll give some examples, you know, in a very light way of how you can use this versus that theme or this versus that plugin to complement it. Um, and we always feature, of course, like the LMS and so forth. But the idea is somebody could come in and get a flavor for how WordPress is a platform would work if somebody sorted out all of the choices for you in advance and gave you a recipe. Yeah, that's great. I'm looking forward to yeah. it. Uh, I've we'll enjoyed see. our webinars, actually. I, I think they've been great information in them. Um, by the way, um, I always wanted to ask you, Spencer, how did you get the, the evil genius? How did that... When I, when I started in the online space, it was in the, the SaaS world back in... 2006 with a hosted platform called Ning, and they had a, an open platform that allowed any developers to develop stuff using their REST API. So the deal was, hey, developers, we have this free unlimited platform that we developed as part of a, a software that Mark Andreessen had spent $100 million uh, creating, and we can't figure out who to use it now because that company got bought out and he, he got the leftovers. So they created the platform and I met some incredibly smart guy who was a developer. I wasn't developing at the time to make widgets and solutions for filling in where their platform didn't do the obvious things customers wanted. Like here's a photo montage thing or here's a sales thing. And so we would make, he would make a widget. I would promote it and we would sell it inside of this community. Yeah. And they gave us all the server for free. They gave us everything for free. It was ridiculous. And what happened is they went fast. in a couple months, it became obvious that people were getting a kick out of it. So I accidentally stumbled upon uh, 
using this like uh, this mad scientist and evil genius in a castle, and then one thing led to another, and it was, yeah, hello, it's Spence, the evil genius from Witch Laboratory, and that just stuck because people were cracking up. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, there's a lot of videos that I look back sometimes and I go, oh my god, that's hilarious. But it's, yeah, that's, there we go. All right, on to a recommendation. I just had to ask. Um, Fifteen so, years in this joint. Yeah, there we go, and you ended up here. What, you know, so, yeah. uh, right, there we go. Uh, um, oh, my recommendation is a newsletter, Master WP. I nick their stories regularly for this for this show, actually, and it's one of the. It, I think it's the best WordPress. Um, it's very news- well done. Yeah, they normally got some good stuff in it, haven't they? Um, so I, I always give it a read. Like I say, it's the the tavern, and the, and I nick some stories, and also the panel. When they, when they can be bothered, they also give me stories as well. But um, if yeah, you're that's, interested- that's more like when I'm conscious enough to read things and and uh, well, yeah. uh, drop them uh, in. You'd be very supportive, Sandy. You know your your support of this show is much appreciated. Uh, um, so if you're if you're into the, the WordPress community, I highly recommend that you sign up, and I have the link in the show. Oh, somebody wants somebody. Uh, um, yes, that means we must be running over. Yes, we are. Now, let's wrap this up quick. Uh, um, so, um, I'll choose Spencer. Spencer, got a recommendation that you want to share with us? Um, yeah. I, oh, so on. I, I had one here. Pass on me for a second because I have to just get the link. Oh, right. Um, Chris. Um, oh, oh I got it. Sorry. Oh, sorry about that. I got it right here. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend this that I've been blabbing on about, which is Editor Plus, which is the plugin that comes from... Uh, the Gutenberg Hub guys that Andrew knows, Munir and so forth. Editor Plus is what allows somebody (laughs) to get the kind of experience that I think you'd want out of Gutenberg with being able to modify and edit and save and, you know, put together blocks of stuff that work more like a a page builder would. So that one plugin alone, to me, and there's similar ones, gives you the kind of experience that would, yeah, you could probably just work off of Gutenberg today. Even oh, Well, the, the interesting thing about this is is that um, Extendify bought Editor Plus and they've now bought uh, Editor's Kit, a, a similar plugin that adds, you know, more customization features and et cetera. Uh, and that also had some... Uh, you know, a, a sort of side project of, of kind of block patterns and, and that sort of thing. And so uh, if you have Editor Plus or Editor's Kit installed, you will suddenly notice this little button in your Gutenberg that says like Extendify Library, where you can select right. uh, block patterns. I see they added the, it's now it's by Extendify. But I mean, I actually use this. I'm not saying this is the absolute only way to do it. But when you put this in, all of a sudden you have like this really amazing capability of like tweaking and modifying and getting some controls over the blocks so that you can just essentially build a few basic components. By the way, just in fairness, I was talking to Luke and we were joking because we build all of our own content. And it turns out that even in Elementor, between the two of us, we usually use maybe three or four widgets and that's it. Like 99% of what we do is three or four widgets. So I don't feel like anybody needs the world of stuff but you definitely need the the metaphor of being able to properly drag stuff, save it, reuse it, and that's just well, where I think you. I, I think watching that video, I, it was good news that Gutenberg is is coming on. I'm I'm not a great fan of the interface though, but Sally, 
Sally, um, got a recommendation you want to share? Uh, yes, this is a, a fairly small and minor one, but it's a, it may help people who are uh, being driven crazy by trying to figure out why their CSS isn't working. It is a CSS specificity calculator uh, so that if you are being confounded by some aspect of the cascade... Never, uh, that would never happen. Uh, yes, as, as one often is, um, uh, it, it will uh, it tell you about the various uh, uh, different levels of you know IDs, classes, elements, and how to uh, target them. Uh, so I've dropped the link there into the chat here, and I will put it into Slack. Thanks. So, Chris, have you got anything you want to recommend? To, to I do. Me? All right. I was building a uh, Udemy clone website the other day, and I was combining Lifter with uh, WooCommerce vendors and a bunch of tools to create basically a replica of Udemy. And I came across this um, capability manager plugin by PublishPress, which allowed me to have someone simultaneously be a vendor, a teacher, a student, and all these different roles. I could fine-tune control. Yeah, that's handy. It's great. We we actually we actually installed it as one as one of our stack actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, super solid plugin. Really impressed by that. And they're they're always Steve's well behind it all the time as well. You know, there's a lot going on there. A lot going on there. Is it worth? I specifically love plugins like this because as a hosting provider, when people ask us to troubleshoot things and half the crap's turned off for admins, it's just wonderful. Yeah. Is it worth actually, <laughs> is it actually worth buying the pro version? Because uh, the free version seems pretty um, fun- filled with functionality. Um, but I don't know. So, Andrew, got anything you want to recommend to our well, first, first and foremost, I just want to say to Spencer, told you I was right. About editor about a, plus, about a few things. Which one? <laughs> about edit, editor plus. Yeah, I mean, I you didn't have to sell me on that because before we had talked, I had met Munir and I knew that they had absolutely done it. But he had indicated there was some kind of buyout coming, and you just validated the uh, stuff. So I give you a high well, five. I helped, on that. I and, helped, yeah, I helped them with that, so that was cool because that's and the, uh, part of my part of my mantra. I'll help you sell your plugin. Well, you got two because you get a pony from me for that. You get a pony from me for the uh, the lifetime deal thing. So one more, and you're it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be great if I understood what the hell you're talking about, and maybe the listeners and viewers. They maybe know what we're maybe talking you about. can put the we're listeners and viewers in the in the and, picture, Andrew. Andrew and Andrew and Vito were harping on about lifetime deals and a trend that was going on, and I was very skeptical at the time. And I said, lifetime deals are for suckers unless there's a certain reason. But then I ended up becoming a sucker myself because. Because I recognize that there's an actual thing going on with WordPress buyers that is not so much specifically what they said, but is in light with in line with what they said. That people sure. in WordPress now want to buy all their software one time up front. Right. Yeah. So, Angie, got anything you want to recommend? <laughs> you asked me to explain it, and then you're rushing. Yeah, we've got to get on with it. All right. So, Atterim. I can't, I, you know, I can't. I was, I've been with Vito from the beginning of it. After him, I saw it on his iPad. I said to him, "We got to sell loads of this on Elegant Marketplace. We sold loads of it. Lifetime deals as well. We, it, it's a fantastic, yeah. fantastic tool for you to use on your WordPress websites." 
and hopefully that it's going to come what along. What does it do? Time. What does it do, It Aaron? is basically a content-grabbing situation for your customers. It can be used as a support system, and people can put notes on the page. Just click right. a mouse, leave a note, upload content, and it really helps you manage yeah. your website creation process. Right. It's just That's awesome. Great. You did a great job. Make sure the link is in um, Slack, so I'll put it in the show notes. Tom. Tom. Yeah. Thank you for joining us over the past month. You know, you know, we got this great offer um, about Tom's hosting company. Um, we get thirty percent. I forgot my last advert. Hopefully, you won't hold it against me. You have to keep coming back on the show periodically. So you've been a. I think you've been warming to this madness, haven't you, Tom? Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's been it's been great. I love it. Um, so my tool for this week is a, a product called RoboSwarm, and it's roboswarm.dev, and it's an amazing WordPress load testing tool that will do, It's first of all, it's extremely affordable compared to most load testing tools, and it works out of the box with WordPress, so you don't have to write a bunch of complicated scripts. And the thing that makes it really cool and unique is it will do unauthenticated front-end browsing of your site, which is pretty standard fare, but it'll do authenticated browsing, logged in users. So Chris, for people that have logged in LMS people and they want to see like how many users can they get on, it'll do that logged in Mm. users, which is great because that breaks caching as hopefully most people know. And then it also does WooCommerce testing. So you're able to actually make a few changes in your WooCommerce store. Like you got to disable credit card processing and things, but it's relatively straightforward and it does things that would take a lot of sophisticated scripting. It tries to do out of the box. So it's a great product, affordable and easy. Oh yeah, testing. Yes. It's a very good idea if you've got a membership site and you push it out to ten thousand yeah. potential Robo students. Robosform. Robos. Um, actually, Chris has actually put it in Slack for me. Um, very nice of you, Chris. But testing is rather important, isn't it? But um, tends to be forgotten. Like you do a kind of soft launch and you push it out to five to your um, newsletter list, and five thousand and two hundred people, five hundred people sign up, and the whole website just falls to bits. You know. Well, and just to uh, you know, Jonathan, just one thought on this, real quick. And this is a lot of things e-commerce people don't realize is, you know, even if your website doesn't fall to pieces and start going down, if it just gets slower, you're likely going to have less buyers, right? And so if you send out a massive email or you do a sale or a social promotion and you get a bunch of people on your site and it's slow, you might see a dip in your conversion rate. And, And so that's lost revenue. And, uh, so it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean your site needs to go down, but, Okay, processing an order might go from like two seconds to thirty seconds, and that's going people get very nervous at that point. Yeah, they yeah. do. All right, and so they click again, buy again, which is yeah, annoying. they do. There we go. So we're going to wrap it up, Sally. What's the best way for people to find out more about you and what you're up to? All right, uh, I am uh, at Sally Getch on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, WP Fangirl in most other places. Um, Spencer. What's the best way for, for people to find out more about you? Uh, WPLaunchify.com. Tom, how do people find out more about you? Convesio.com uh, and uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, or email me at Tom at Convesio.com. That's great. Chris, 
how do people find out more about you? You can find me at lifterlms.com. Also have a podcast called LMS Cast, and I'm easy to track down on Twitter. And Chris will be joining us on the WP Tonic interview show next week to discuss Lifter 5.0, WordPress in general, and I will attempt to get him into trouble. There we go. Uh, Rob, Andrew, he's, uh, he's looking at that. Uh, Andrew, uh, how can people find out more about you? You can find me at Arnie Palmer on Twitter, and you can find me at thisisandrewpalmer.com and, of course, gridpain.com. Right. And please, um, the WP Tonic Tribe, can you do me one favour? Go over to iTunes and give me a review about this show. Good bad or indifferent i know it's a pain but it does really help the show and i'm in a pissing match with apple at the present moment uh i mean, talk about mindless madness of um bureaucracy that is apple in one word and they're terrible podcast app which is the most shittiest app I've ever seen. Uh, it's unbelievable. Tell it how it is, Johnny. Tell it how it is, boy. God, whoever, whoever developed that app for Apple needs to be taken out and shot tomorrow. Uh, um, so thank you, panel. Thank you, listeners. We'll see you next week. Bye. See you, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.